This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's Shake Them Ropes. It's the Friday show. My name is Chris Novembrino. Here with his notebook full of good jokes for a change, Jeff, is Jeff Hawkins. Jeff, how you doing? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do fifteen solid fifteen of shtick right now of all my greatest stand up hits and then we'll just uh we'll just close the show after that. Yeah, I told you to bring the Carson 7 and make it funny this time, and Jeff is gonna do it. I can reduce the solid fifteen to the Carson seven. I, I had that's, a that's Car- I had a Carson seven at one time. Uh <laughs> Came close to uh, getting booked on a talk show, and then uh, they decided no thanks, which uh, was interesting. It was it was a nice uh, it was a nice uh, uh, carrot, but the uh, I got the stick. This so. was supposed to be funny, Jeff. Damn it! All right, I know, I know. Look, look. I, I we have one heckler who's a crazy cat lady who thinks whoa, that whoa, whoa, tel- wait, 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 television whoa, whoa. Hey, how, said you're are making her enemies on this show right now. Whoa, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm allowed to make an enemy of this person. You know, you're making enemy. You're talking about crazy cat people. That, that's a. Uh, I said majority. crazy cat lady. You I know, but but that th- they're part cat. of the tribe. They are okay. part of the tribe. I defend part all of the cat tribe. people. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Don't step to the tribe. Don't step to the tribe, Jeff. Look, Ben Shapiro tells me that all the time. <laughs> I, let's just get into the news. I don't want to take the bait on Ben Shapiro. Let's go. No, don't, don't. But you know, he's he's an acquaintance. Um, so, uh, big news that happened at about an hour or so ago before we uh, started recording this. Dean Malenko has quit his job as an agent with the WWE. Um, oh no. Dean, yeah, Dean did a lot of work with the cruiserweights, and he also did a lot of work with the women. So this is kind of a blow. I can't say it's that surprising because there there's been this kind of generational tonal shift of late on on the staff in terms of they've been bringing in guys like Abyss and Sonjay Dutt and and younger guys from kind of TNA uh so to speak and some of the older agents and stuff are uh are you know Arn Anderson was let go uh you know, Fit Finley's still there and and there's a lot of guys down at the performance center but yeah Dean Malenko gone like to see him recharge his batteries i'd like to see him have a shot with a quote-unquote real wrestling company where he could actually you know give good input on matches as well i yeah a company that was a little more open-minded with the way that they format their matches right the main roster is very very stifling on that front these days well it's just funny to me because dean malenko i loved dean malenko as a wrestler in ecw when he was the shooter and I thought he was kind of the next Arn Anderson. I thought he and Benoit were kind of precursors to Tully and Arn. And he goes to WCW, and you can tell he's smaller than most of the guys there, but they have a cruiserweight division. And he was really interesting in the cruiserweight division. And he found ways to keep telling different stories with the same storytelling partner. Like, him and Mysterio had myriad matches, but they didn't get stale. Yeah, you watch 95, 96... These are still wrestling fans in WCW who get up out of their seat for a nice climax to a match. 
I mean, it, or just they, a quality high spot. They yes. they're seeing a good tope. They know what a formerly good-looking Hurricane Rana looks like when there are botches. It's not necessarily being read in this weird meta way of oh, we've broken the fourth wall or something. It's just being read as this person has bad execution, and those audiences really appreciated good execution of moves, and you'd you'd feel that difference. And then when he went to the WWE, I was a little worried because he looks older than he is with the receding hairline, which hasn't ever receded as much as you'd think it would. He just always had, like, a widow's peak. And he was a little smaller, and you thought, well, maybe if they keep the Radicals as a group, he'll be okay, but they didn't. And then he, he I mean, he was trading the Cruiserweight title with Scotty Too Hotty. Had a really good he, match with him, though. Yeah. No, uh, definitely did, and then he, they gave him that ladies' man gimmick with Lita. And that is, you know, when Death. Vince is looking at you and trying to rip you on your way out, essentially. Be more charismatic. So it always kind of shocked me that he had this long of a run as an agent. It's a way of putting you in your place. That's Vince's way of putting you in your place where it's like, why aren't you further up the card? Because you're not good looking. Because you're not a ladies man. So I'm going to give yeah. you the ladies man gimmick and you'll see what you lack. Credit where due, Sports Illustrated broke the story. It was confirmed by Fightful that Dean Malenko has left. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, according to the Wrestling Observer this week, Leo Rush has heat for thinking he's a top guy in the promotion or should be treated as such. God forbid someone have confidence in themselves on this roster. That man went for the brass ring, and now he must pay for it. Yeah, I, I'm just, I, I read that story, and man, I Man, he should be doing more things. He's a very interesting, charismatic fellow. He's not the guy who should be hanging on to the top title and be on the billboards, but should he be in 205 Live as a promotional champion and someone getting serious consideration against a Tony Nese? Should he take the belt off a of Tony Nese and make 205 a little more interesting? Yeah, yeah, he should. I, it just it just plays into the whole WWE thinks you should be thankful for having a job there and bless them every day. I why would every, anyone want to leave this company, Jeff? I just don't get it. Everybody should have an ego. If you're a performer, you should believe in yourself because you know what nobody else is going to. And that was always one of my problems until I got about eight or nine years into comedy is that I had absolutely no faith in myself because I wasn't getting validation from anybody else. And the thing is. Man, it's it's cutthroat. Entertainment is cutthroat, and if you don't believe in yourself, then you're going to give up on yourself. you got to be honest with yourself when you're yes. going back and assessing what you're doing, when you're listening to yourself or watching yourself, whether you are recording radio or you're wrestling. you got to make sure that you are a tough and fair critic on yourself. But, man, you got to be behind yourself because if you don't believe in you, nobody will. So when you get some cat lady troll telling you you're not funny, you tell that woman, you hush, Trisha. No, there, what you, you what you tell her is, I'm going to go and I'm going to work on this because I don't want to leave my hardworking, cat-loving co-host on an island with unfunny jokes that he has to mm. bail us out. Okay. Um, I row this boat, damn it. It's sad. It really is. What's the next headline? Uh, Rhea Ripley got in a bit of trouble, um, not last night, the night before. On a video game stream channel where you pay 15 bucks to insult you in Spanish or Australian. She, uh, she dropped the F-bomb that one should not drop in, in public company and is now, uh, trying to apologize for it. That's not a good thing. We'll see if anything, any repercussions happen because of that. I need clarification and I think maybe a couple other listeners do as well. Will we say the F-bomb, is this in the Carlinian... The gay slur. 
Okay, the gay slur. Okay, I was going to say the Carlinian seven words you can't say on television or the gay right. slur. No, no, I, I realized, I thought I had prefaced it with... with, uh, with uh, you said the, polite company, yeah. but like I wouldn't also be dropping F-bombs in front of polite company, too. A- as much of a blue streak as I have, I, I know when to switch it off sometimes. She apologized, but at the same time, it's it, it was a bad apology in many ways. In a vacuum, if you read it, it was one of those, I'm sorry for anybody I offended. Oh, oh no 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 no! Or I use yeah. a word that Ooh. I use a word that isn't uh, that can be insulting to some. I'm like, no, just be contrite on this one, kid, and and just uh, you know, just say, hey, they were paying me to insult you. That would have been helpful, but I didn't see that in context until later. But uh, yeah, we'll see if there's any fallout from that. WWE decided to add six months onto Luke Harper's contract after uh, he requested his release, stating. Well, you know what? You were injured all that time. That's time we get to put back on the old contract. Oh, man, really? He's going to get yeah. paid for that, but he's going to get paid to sit, basically. No, no, he'll, he'll, he'll probably be brought out to do matches here and there. Maybe he'll do main event, I think. But uh, maybe they'll try and make it up to him, kind of like they said they were going to do to the revival. Um, You know, just give it time, and then we'll make it up to you. But... uh yeah, they decided uh, today to add six months onto his contract before it expires and have not granted him his release. I got a new gimmick for him. Uncle Luke in Brayweez Playhouse. <laughs> and uh, today was the uh, WWE Q1 earnings report. Net loss of $8.4 million due to decreases in live event revenues and lower merchandise sales. The Raw and SmackDown ratings are down 14 and 13% from the prior year's quarter, and live attendance is down 11%. The audience is just becoming more exclusive. Vince has blamed the absence of talent. I tend to think it's the absence of stars. I think... And, and and being able to program them correctly, because Ronda Rousey was cast poorly. The people that they've been building up in NXT always seem to get miscast or mishandled. I, I just think... I, Daniel Bryan is a prime example. People were hyped for his return, and they blew it so bad that he asked to be turned heel. I, I think that's an issue. I think I think it's a storytelling issue. Yeah, no, it's a big storytelling issue, because what you should do, especially with your like top narrative person in the story, so let's say Daniel Bryan. In a Daniel Bryan show, there should be a little opening segment with Daniel Bryan where we set up what Daniel Bryan's going to do for the evening relatively quick, two to five minutes. Then we go to our first match, which is not a Daniel Bryan match. We have a second hour refresh of what's happening with Daniel Bryan, maybe a little plot advancement, and then we set up the main event. Same thing on Raw. If you're going to tell stories through Roman Reigns, and I'm not saying they should be telling stories through Roman Reigns, but you have Roman do a quick hit at the beginning, not a long hit, a quick hit, and then you advance that story a little bit in hour one, and a little bit in hour two, and then in hour three we have like that little pre-match whatever, and then the main event is its story, or the match happens at the top of hour three. Whatever it is, but they're not doing enough narrative through lines that you would do in a normal television show, so a lot of times it just feels like stuff happening, or we have weird festivals of non-sequitur, where Jinder Mahal comes out and he's staring at the Iconics and then for some reason Pete Dunne is staring from the rafters and he's got the baseball bat and he's dressed up like Sting and then we go to the backstage with Charlie Caruso. Yeah, uh, pocket that because we'll get into that when we talk a little bit into NXT UK in my opinion. Uh, The other major thing I thought coming out of this uh, Q1 
press conference. There's going to be a relaunch of the network in September. I assume this will be when tiered pricing comes into play. Uh, they are kind of asking what people want out of a, out of a relaunch. Um, <laughs> my, my answers were I want everything non WWE from 1984 to 1999 uploaded and complete. I want an option to turn off commentary or get alternative commentary. And the search function sucks on, on this. I know a lot of people don't like flash and it's a flash based kind of channel. That's fine. But I assume this is going to be one of those. The things. search function really is miserable, and I, and I'm I'm right there with you. I I think what is inexcusable is that when we get these timelines uploaded, that we don't get episode to episode, so right. I can watch isolated matches featuring Jeff Jarrett or Stone Cold Steve Austin from 1994 when he was like stunning Steve or whatever. But I can't just sit down and live in WCW 1994 or, or whatever it is. Global Championship Wrestling is one that I would totally sink my teeth into if that was uploaded in a way that was totally coherent. I have the entire run of UWF, and I have the entire run of Smoky Mountain, and I would much rather watch the tapes I have, number one, because the real music is kept in still, but if I had the option of watching it on the network and just having it play, I think I would. I'm I'm just, I'm interested to see how they do the pricing tiers, because I think there's going to be a pricing tier to try and soak those of us who like the historical content. I think the pay-per-views will probably be a separate tier, and I think the NXT 205 Live type fans, they're going to try and get money out of one of those three groups. I don't know which one, though. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. I think the answer, honestly, is more in the pay-per-view side. Uh, just because as far as soaking the historical fan, first they need to come up with a product that would be worth us getting soaked over. And at this point, I don't even know that I I'm getting that. I think that what's keeping me on the network is that I have... 205 Live in NXT, and yes, occasionally I can also go back down Retro Lane, and it's nice, but it's not enough. I'm not shocked by live attendance being down, because house shows only... The These are long how- shows. They need to be good shows if they're going to be long. The house shows are a little bit different, but like Raw and SmackDown, same thing. Well, the attendance isn't that far down for those... Um, so much as there's house shows don't mean anything. You're not going to see also a title true. change. Um, it's and mostly... the audience is not conditioned to like wrestling. They have moved yeah. away from wrestling as a thing worth watching in and of itself. What WWE does, Jeff, is they tell stories. We well, tell it's... stories in the ring. We're doing sports entertainment, and sports entertainment does not lend itself to house shows. The house show tours right now are for the out-of-big-market cities that rarely get WWE, where it's like, oh, it's a treat to go see the stars that we see on TV. That, that, I mean, you know, your Sioux Falls, Iowa, your Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania's, your, you know, your Boise, Idaho's, which never get pay-per-views. That, that's the, you know, that's your house show audience. It's not, you can't go to LA and have a house show because nobody's going to care because it's not on TV. And that's the way they've conditioned people. If it's not on TV, it doesn't matter. So you're going to smaller towns with people who are conditioned like the rest of the country to not yeah. think if it's not on TV, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, if they start having, like, title switches on house shows, you might get more heat on them again. But And if you use the network 
to occasionally stream some of these house shows, you also might get more people yeah. excited to go and see these house shows because you might see a house show. If you've never seen a house show before, if you have no idea what a quote-unquote WWE live event is and you don't know what you're buying, you might not want to go. But if they put some of these live events on on the network, especially, you know, bury it. It doesn't need to be, like, on the front page so you're not blowing up canon or anything. But if you can go and see some of these cool, like, live events or excerpts from various live events that were kind of fun and exciting and worth being at, that would get people to want to go to those events. Yeah, like, I'd love to see the Revival versus Rude and Gable matches that we had. Oh, and that's probably also another thing that made Dean Malenko quit was, was the fact that Jack Gable was you so poorly. But, um, but yeah, no, I'd like to see some of these house shows. I'd like to see, you know, just guys wrestling for an audience and seeing how they react versus, you know, always look at the hard cam, stylized, oh, here's a dive, we're gonna cut to commercial, paint by numbers, WWE match. Yeah, just have a match. Don't worry about camera coverage, just two guys going out there and having a match. I don't need commentary. I don't need Michael Cole giving me the play-by-play with marketing slogans and stuff. I just want to see two guys have a good match. Yeah, and, and if you wanted to, what you could do is just have Vic Joseph do like cold calls in a booth somewhere ex post facto. Something like that. Chris, the wrestling has never been better, and the wrestlers have never been more dull. I yes. swear. For a company that is all about characters... These characters are lame in a lot of cases. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, and I talked to you a bit about this before the show on Tuesday. I was watching a UWF from 1986, I think it was. What happened to the, how should I put this? The, the young 20 something baby face that all the women. They wanted to jump them. They were thirsty. For yeah, them. they wanted to drink it up. Yeah. What happened to those? Where are the women because, be, who want to drink up these young 20-something men? Yeah, I mean, because then, then you bring in the guys who want to boo those people, too. It's it's a two-way street. I, I used to love these types of crowds and, and hearing them, and now you... That is a big draw of retro wrestling for me. It is just, that is just an element. That, that type of audience is an element that is missing from the product, and you don't really appreciate how that audience creates a certain mood for the ring. Until it's I'll, gone. I'll tell you something, because you look at these rosters, and most of the main eventers are in their early to mid-30s. Most of your young up-and-comers are just hitting 30 right about now. Your Montez, I mean, you, you have two guys on here who could fit that bill. You have Patrick Clark, and to me, you have Umberto Carrillo. Umberto Carrillo is 23. And he's languishing on 205 Live in NXT UK. And they're almost taking his good looks and making it a punchline, which is yeah. stunning to me. This guy is a very good-looking individual, which you should be marketing the hell out of. Yes. Yes, you should be. He should be everywhere on your program. You should... You should be, you should be setting like up me photo angry. opportunities. Yes, you should be setting up photo opportunities where this guy just gets out of like a limousine and all of the women are like, whoa, Umberto Carrillo. And he's just being the world's nicest guy. Everyone likes him. And yeah, people like me and Jeff are like, mm, what's so good about Umberto Carrillo? Yes, exactly. The Sam Houston, you're, you're a fan of Global. On yes. Global, how many times did they say the women love Chaz? 
Yeah, the women they love did. Chaz. He couldn't speak, but the women did love Chaz. Yes, the women love Chaz or Carrie Von Eric, you know, being the sex symbol. Where are the sex symbols? Oh, the screaming anymore? for the Von Erics, especially Carrie. He comes out, and it's just like this treble. It's like shattering the VHS. That's I thought of a unique. third one. Tyler Bate has that potential, too. So does Tyler and, Breeze. And they've been wasting him for two years doing nothing since he won the NXT UK title. That That's that's kind of uh, my through line watching both 205 Live and NXT UK was the usage of Umberto Carrillo. Um, or I mean NXT. He was on NXT this time. Um, I, I liked what they did in NXT. They tried an old school style angle where big gruff guy gets DQ'd and then beats the crap out of Carrillo afterwards to try and get sympathy. But this ironic crowd was not booing or yang in any way. Yeah, I mean, part of it is that the Forgotten Sons are just such dullards. And I yeah. kind of liked the way that this match flowed to the outside. I liked the camera coverage and the way that they captured this little bit of chaos, this moment of tossing him on the other side of the guardrails and stuff. And then out comes Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch, and it's a little confusing because for several weeks now we've been slowly getting conditioned to not like Oni Lorcan, and now he's back with Danny Birch. Um, that that was a little disjunctive for me, but there was, there was a lot of that this week on this episode of NXT. Oh, we'll get into the just No, I've got on. disjunctive. I know where we're going to, yeah. Oh, um... Uh, we can go back to NXT because I think that was the strongest show this week. Oh, yeah. No, that was like a mental oasis for me, Jeff, after the last several weeks of watching some of this main roster stuff where it just drags or it hurts your brain or, or they're making decisions that I have to try to wrap my brain around and go, why would they even do this? And this just felt coherent and simple and it was an hour and it was okay. breezy and it didn't overstay its welcome yeah for me. I, let's go second strongest weakest and then strongest and i thought the second strongest thing this week was nxt uk oh, okay. um okay. another week of uh access tapings so it, it was kind of again nxt b team versus talent from nxt uk uh the one shocking thing to me was that they <laughs> They job Legero to Chris Hero. Why am I supposed to care about Legero? I don't know why you should care about Legero, but clearly they have plans for Cassius I think he's Ono. Great. And I no, I think role. he is great too. Uh, this this new gimmick of him being the expert on European wrestling and now also being the expert on Japanese yes. high flag, like that is very funny. I I will definitely give him that, and I like him having matches against these people. He's a good. He's a good lower-level talent on that front. He's doing a great job in these matches, but I'm totally with you. Why should I care about Ligero at this point? It, it's a rib on Ono a little bit, but at the same time, it's the most consistent character they have from brand to brand because he did the same thing on NXT this week as well for the right. Kushida yeah, yeah, absolutely. setup, so I, I love that. Um, He's the master of Japanese high flying. Yes. Uh, the, the, the synergy of having those two things air on the same week is just great. And the master of British strong style, which, which yeah, right. sure, yeah, why not? I know. You know? He, why not? He knows, he knows all the genres, I, and he's the master of them yes, all. Yes, I, I love him to death. I love this character. Uh, yeah. But Legero, he's guy in, in weird mask with horns, and 
you know what? And now the mask has been goobed out because it because of the weakness that it doesn't go over the top because it is more vulnerable to being twisted and it literally has twist me handles on either I'd side. I do the same thing. I mean, I would do the yes, same thing in a mask. Yes, that makes him smart. Yes, the, yeah, I would do that too. You know, I, he's he's a good enough worker, but he but again, no, he's absolutely vanilla this mask is supposed to give him some sort of charisma that it just simply isn't i almost think at this point he'd be better off without the mask it's a little bit like the lucha house party where you know those guys are better than the material they're given and, the, and oh yeah they're, definitely they're just guys, guys in yeah. masks and you're supposed to root for them because they're guys in masks i i, I like Lagero. don't get me wrong people i think he's very very talented but they need him to talk a little bit more they need to show me a little bit more with vignettes or something because it's just like and plus he's 50 50 way too much he gets beat way too much for me to care about him but you know who i do care about you know who i am actually interested in jordan devlin yes i'm into him i am way into this promo i liked this promo a lot i I just think he's got a good level of swag he's a heel, but he's also an underdog. He's kind of moving into that little Tomohiro Ishii territory circa like 2013, 2014. That iteration of Ishii. I am feeling this iteration of Jordan Devlin. Um, I think it's a vast improvement from where they started. Right. And I think, and I think what's helped him a lot is this WXW program, I believe it is, that he did with David Starr and Walter. And those promos there, I think those have really helped center this character, which is a little bit different than that. Uh, but man, I got a big grin on my face when he says, Oh, I'm not just, I'm just not going to beat Walter. I'm going to hurt you. And I just went, thank you. Somebody finally wants to hurt somebody in a wrestling match. That's all I need occasionally is the cocksure guy who says, I'm not just going to beat you. I'm going to hurt you. I'm gonna screw up all of your plans. I think screw up all your plans. I love that. Like I'm not supposed to be the guy. I'm gonna screw up everything next week. He actually made me believe that he might do something kind of wild card on Walter here. That there might be a little twist, a little wrinkle, and maybe he does lose clean. But Jordan Devlin has now created intrigue and interest in what's going to happen next, and that's a successful promo. It's kind of the anti-authority, but also just kind of the realism that's necessary in a program where you have this big title match. And a rematch that they obviously want to get back to. And especially on Crockett, they do this all the time, where you have, like, let's say... Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes was set for the Great American Bash or something. But you also had all these house shows or the Bash Tour coming up, and you go, well, you never know. Hawk may beat Ric Flair on the way, and then it might have to be yeah, Hawk Yeah, or Barry Windham. Barry Windham was a really yes. good holding pattern guy. Oh, you never know. Barry Windham might actually get that win on Ric Flair, and then it'll be Windham versus Dusty. And they never do this on the main roster where it's like you know that it's going to be, say, Seth and Brock at WrestleMania. And then it's going to be, well, you know, Seth has this big match on Raw. He could lose his opportunity to main event WrestleMania. They never do that sort of thing anymore. I really liked the Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner walking through WrestleMania access promo. I thought I that, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I, I wanted, wanted more, more too. I wanted I'm, them to actually get into those guys' faces a little bit yes. more, but I think that they were... Um, actual fans, and so they didn't want to take it too far. Wanted to find a way to shoot this promo and have real organic reactions from those guys. They should have let them trash that last set. 
with the Razor Ramon cutout yes, and the Yokozuna absolutely, cutout. Absolutely. And say, this is sacrilegious. Um, yeah, it was definitely real fans. I, the, the Undertaker cosplayer, I was like, man, you could tell they wanted to say something about that guy. And they didn't. <laughs> no, I, I liked it. That was a very clever usage of... The real and the kayfabe, uh, remember that old show Trigger Happy TV? I'm trying to think of like what the name of that style of comedy is, where you're you're working in a real world setting. Um, I liked that a lot. Yeah, I, I, I like I like the gimmick. I, I do like having the gimmick of some people, we take this sport very seriously. Yes, I know absolutely. They always rib on that every time. They did with, say, you know, a Lance Storm type, and they did with Dean, the aforementioned Dean Malenko. You know, we, we find technical wrestling important. Oh, you're a technician? Well, I'm going to give you the dumbest gimmick ever. But I like that they're allowed to do this sort of thing in NXT, and I think these two guys, along with Walter... Um, are generally good, you know, it, it, it's that Anderson's type feel that, that, you know, that, that we take the sport of professional wrestling seriously and we will hurt people if we have to. I, I like that. And then I enjoyed this through line. I didn't love the Tony Storm promo. It was kind of meandering, but it made sense when Kaylee Ray came out and Kaylee Ray says to Tony Storm, you forgot me. I liked that part. Yeah, I, I I did too. I'm uh I'm I'm a little lower on the match with uh Zia Lee. I like Zia Lee a lot. I like Zia Lee. She's got a thing going on. I, I'm into it. I'm I'm into the kicks. Um, they the they are a little scary at times. Although I they create a visual motion in the ring that especially on some of these cards would be very very useful in terms of just breaking up match styles and match continuities. I'm with you. The match was not perfect, and Xia Li still has a lot of work to do. Xia Li, again, and we have brought this up before, I think she's being trained wrong. I think they're training her to be a choreographed type of person. They should be teaching her headlocks and arm bars and just old-school mat wrestling. Oh, and, and what the hell is this backstory? This backstory from a kung fu movie that Nigel spouted off this week, where Nigel was like, her father died and she had to learn the martial arts in order to protect her family, and where she is from, she is known as a bit of a vigilante. I'm like, what is she, Bruce Lee? I think Nigel uh, <laughs> has decided to heal it up a bit now that I think he's only going to be doing this one show now. I don't think he's doing... 205 live anymore I, I, it I wasn't presented any. in a heel context it was presented straight sober as this is actually her backstory has to be a rib yeah has to be i i don't know what that is yikes or or it or it's the way they main roster her up you know oh. yes and she cuts a promo where she explains in china she had to learn the ancient arts in order to defend her family and her I sister. cut off my hair so I could fit in with the army. No, that's Mulan. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Um, yeah, I, I did like I liked the uh, test of strength spot. I thought that yes. was pretty well done. Um, no, that was cool. Like it, it showed how Zia Lee is going to problem solve in the ring, and I like that. I, I do like that. The the thing I'm I'm really kind of optimistic about is they have Zia Lee now teaming up with Karen Q in NXT. And I think that's going to be a hell because Karen Q's adorable. She is legit funny. Um, she she kind of did a little bit of the kung fu stuff as well in the Mae Young Classic. 
But I think that's a nice pairing for those two. And uh, We'll get to the I, NXT <laughs> side, but I think some of the women's tag division is starting to come together yes, a little bit for them. Yes, and, and I would agree. I think they're going to be a strong part. But uh, speaking of tag teams... Uh, well, I was gonna go, I was gonna go into the main event, but I forgot about this vignette with the, uh, grizzled young veterans being angry and yeah. throwing out stuff out of the locker room. Okay. Yeah, that's I, all I, I got. I dig it. I dig it. It's I, fine. I like no, them. it's, it's fine. I, I, I mean, the grizzled young veterans is, it reminds me a little bit too much of the fine young cannibals, I think, especially <laughs> when I see it in printed form, but, and I don't love the name, but I like these guys. I think they're very good. I did not like the Fine Young Cannibals at all, except for one song. Um, you have a couple of songs. Uh, good Thing. Good Thing's a good the song. The Flame. I like The Flame. Okay. I thought that was a pretty good song. And he was always guest starring on Highlander, which I thought he was the, the lead singer, Roland, yes. whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, sure. He was a decent actor, but it was just like, God, can we stop having this guy on all the time? I just, he annoyed me. Mustache okay. Mountain <laughs> faced off with Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews. <laughs> and Dread Seven got the win. This is a very good match. I, I enjoyed this a lot. Um, bell to bell. It was it was slow, and that was the problem. The spots were all done very safely. And I think you know you can look at Trent Seven's version of the Burning Hammer, and that's a good metaphor for the style of work in this match. Looks fine. Looks fine. Not the stiffest work you've ever seen in your life. I'm guessing this was taped around 9 a.m. on like Saturday or Sunday. And everybody's just kind of a little tired, a little dragging it a bit. I'll tell you the one. The coffee match. The the one spot I absolutely adored was at the end. The way they got the pin on yes. um, Webster. and with Trent the Seven part, and, with the intercept in the, yes, like, with the intercept. old smother. Yeah, I love yes. it. Yes. I thought that that's not seen anymore, and that gets me into stuff like tag team wrestling. Absolutely. That's what I love. Yes, that's a big part of, especially if you've ever played it on a video game. It's super important when you're playing it in a video game. So then when you're watching it live, you're always thinking about like, well, dude, you got to stop the partner. You can't just let the partner come in and make the save. Uh, good showing for Andrews and Webster, but man, they, they I, I think they beat Mark Andrews way too much. They I beat Mark Andrews something. too much, and I do think that they should have probably went heel after this. Like we yeah. need to spice this up a little bit. Yeah, just a bit. They they need another. They need that secondary heel team. Flash Morgan Webster coming from behind and hitting them with the helmet would be awesome. Uh we did forget one thing. We had another video vignette for the Hunt, the greatest tag team in the history of Shake Them Ropes. I dare say, Jeff, that the grizzled young veterans are going to be meeting quite the formidable challenge in the coming weeks here. I loved this highlight package. I cringed at the line about them being animalistic because, duh, both their gimmicks are animals. I get it. Yeah, we, we don't, don't need, need to. It. We don't need to hit people over the head with it and animalistic in certain contexts. Not, not the best thing to get. We understand. We understand. Let's just not. But we don't need to put a nail on it. It put them over. Sure. Someone is listening to us. Someone loves the hunt as much as we love the hunt, and they should. As well, they should because. Once again, the wild boar, Mike Hitchman. Unofficial mascot of Shake Them Ropes. Yeah, I, I'm I'm getting into this primate Joe, Jay Melrose as well. Uh, yes. yeah, I'm into it. Although, into although it. he's now just the primate. Is he's he? He's no longer Jay Melrose, yeah. Oh, 
Wow. He's they've become more animal, animal than animals. man anymore. Well, both of them have. I think they've now just wild boar and primate the hunt. I'm just like, oh, man, give them, give them their names back. Yeah, this should be their nickname that's in the middle of their name, Mike Wild Boar Hitchman. And then you just call him Wild Boar during the match. I agree, but the but but I will I will take I know. the good. I will take the video package. The hunt is on. The hunt is on. The hunt is on, and the hunt will be for Tag Team Gold. And they will be the greatest team who ever lived. Thank yes. You. Now, let's not push that. <laughs> 205 Live? Shall we get into 205 Live before you dig too much? Oh, Drew Gulak's the star of this show. Yes, I loved the State of the Union for 205 Live. Good, necessary. I think we got to get Gulak doing more meaningful things, but I, I like the idea of him giving public addresses. It is interesting to see Drake Maverick kind of no longer part of the day-to-day procession here. Uh, well, they did have him backstage with uh, Maria and Oh, uh, yeah, Mike. that's right. That's right. But, you know, he used to be doing the intro packages for us every week. Yeah, I, it's very weird because they're trying him out with EC3 now. I think of any of the the cruiserweights... I, I still think Drew Gulak's the guy you want as a spokesperson. I agree with that. Absolutely. Because he, he is the guy who, to me, has over-delivered every time they've asked him to. He's a guy who I never thought much of on the indies as having this kind of charisma. And then you watch him and you go, oh, wow, I, I never realized that. I I love him. I think I like this kind of role um, that he's playing with uh, Carrillo. I'm glad Carrillo got the win. Um Interesting dynamic, especially with the whole Jack Gallagher. Is is Jack Gallagher now more of a heel than no, Drew no, Gulak? no, 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 Cer- certainly not. He is not more of a heel than Drew Gulak. A- a- and here, I think, was the tell. Did you notice who appeared behind Jack Gallagher when he moved his head? No, did I didn't you see, see what that. the photo on the wall was. I did not. It's John Cleese doing the Ministry of Silly Walks. Oh, John Cleese? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I think we are going back to first principles with Jack Gallagher. A little bit of dignity, but also a little bit of, like, that Monty Python. The umbrella? Kind of, Is he going to bring back the umbrella? I, I don't want him to go that far with it, but I do expect still a bit of dapperness, but also a bit of whimsy. Well, that that promo came off as as very menacing in terms of you will not like me as an enemy, and I'm just like... Did he turn heel on Gulak or is Yeah, Gulak yeah, he's the main heel, heel on Gulak and Gulak is the main heel. Gulak's a bad guy. Um and he's still tormenting Korea and Gallagher saw anti-hero sort of. Yeah, I okay. I guess. Yeah. And, and probably he'll probably be the sacrificial lamb inside of this feud is I think what's going to happen. And then for the number 1 contender for <laughs> for for Tony Nese's cruiserweight title Oh my god, have they already given up on Tony Nese in like two weeks? Because it is a death spot and a death signal to be asked to come out to the ring and sit ringside, but not on commentary. Yeah, Arya Davari beat Oni Lorkin. I don't understand this at all. It appeared it's so they were weird up- to reverse turn Oni Lorkin, at least yes. for the purposes of this match. But I think we actually did turn him face again. That promo was a face promo, the one yeah. where I've been working at this for a decade. And went, because before he was just, and and I said this as a torn I'm joke, mad right? about the jacket. He's he's ornery lurking where he's angry at everybody. You touched the think, jacket, man. Yeah. And now he's again, you know, hardworking, lunch pail, 
blue collar baby face and you're like okay and then they bring out Davari who's been okay as a personality but nothing special Davari was really fresh when they relaunched him last year and he's slowly gotten more still and yeah they quote unquote trimmed the dead weight from him but it didn't result in him being more interesting and this I thought was actually a good match though it was a great match I, I yeah. loved the match I just didn't understand I mean and it's one of the better showings Davari's had I thought, but it was just an odd thing to give Lorkin this character to a total 180 on him and then beat him. It, it was, it's just, it's like, well, how do you expect him to get any momentum on, on this roster then? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's kind of the same question I have. Okay, Mike Kanellis is definitely a heel. Maria's a heel. And then you have, you have, uh, Brian Kendrick and Akira Tozawa basically sucker punch him. <laughs> no, I liked that. So oh, here's what I liked about that. I like the fact that Mike and Maria have been tormenting Tozawa and the Brian Kendrick for a minute. We've been talking for a very long time that Tozawa and the Brian Kendrick need some sort of persona. They need something going on with their characters. And the Brian Kendrick is supposed to be the man with a plan. So now, finally, they show up with a plan. And remember, the whole backstory was that he was going to teach Tozawa lessons. So he did teach Tozawa a lesson. And at the end of it, he goes, well, I'm just a distraction. And Mike Kanellis was comporting himself like a total heel throughout that interaction with the Brian Kendrick. So you wanted to see Canellas get some sort of comeuppance. What you thought was going to happen was the Brian Kendrick was going to challenge Mike Canellas to a match, and that would be the sort of chalk way of doing it. But he's the Brian Kendrick. He's the man with the plan. And he just says, I was the distraction. And Mike's like putting that together for a second. And then in comes Tozawa, which is great. And, and because they've had this coming, it doesn't come off as heelish. And then to make sure we don't read it as heelish, Mike only gets the upper hand only gets the cheap shot when Tozawa is being restrained. So Mike needs that extra help in order to pull this off. I was completely on board with this. I was like, yes, finally we have baby faces who aren't paralyzingly stupid. Okay. I'm I'm uh you know, I, I'm I'm open to that. I, I it was just it was a little jarring to me that I'm supposed to root for Tozawa after, you know, sucker punching a guy. Um but yeah, I guess, you know, maybe uh Maybe we're giving these baby faces a little bit of an edge now. You know, the Bailey treatment, so to speak. Yeah, I'm fine with them having a little bit of an edge. I'm fine with them having a little bit of a streak. Because the alternative is them being dumb and, oh man, they're always doing mean things to me. And, and why am I supposed to be behind that? I don't want yeah. them to go full Becky Lynch and basically be, you know, not even really a face at a certain point. But this is totally fine. Let's yeah, move um, it on to NXT, shall we? Yeah. Okay. Oh, boy. Very, very refreshing show. Good show. I enjoyed this the whole way down. Um, So we talked a little bit about Umberto Carrillo and Jackson Riker already. Is there anything else we need to hit on this? Um, I I like Jackson Riker. Yeah, he's fine. I don't love him. I don't love him. But, you know, as one of those kind of upper mid-card, big, stiff, tough guys like you know like a barbarian or a meng type i i dig him i dig his vibe i think I th- and you know look. some people skip leg day but you know who definitely does not skip leg day jackson Riker. i would love Riker and cutler as the forgotten sons I, but 
Not Buddy Murphy. Um, no, Wesley Blake. You know what would be fun? Blake. Reimagine the dynamic inside of this unit where it is Cutler, who is really kind of the brains of the operation, the serious one. You have Jackson Riker as the muscle, and Wesley Blake is kind of the screw up. And he sometimes yeah. gets punished. He's sometimes He's the, the probie. probie. He's yes. the probie in right. the biker gang. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I made that joke a couple weeks no, ago. No, yeah. no, but I, I want them not to play it like a joke. Play it straight, where where sometimes this guy gets his butt kicked a little bit when he screws yeah. up. And you want him to snap, and you want him to kind of like stand up for himself, but we kind of keep teasing that the Forgotten Sons kind of keep breaking this guy. And I said before, you know, Cutler and, and Riker both are ex-military, and I think both are ex-marines and you can tell that they kind of have that uh they have that we don't need to be demonstrative to to know that we could probably hurt you bad 13 ways they have that kind of thousand yard stare that you look at that blake just does not have blake's a guy playing biker i believe these two could be you know you know doing like pow mia harley rides into sturgis Uh, and so i mean I, i like the two of them the act, though, is just, they don't, they never really get to tell their story, so you're just kind of like, okay. No, there is no story, they're and, that, and that's the guys. problem. What right, yeah, do, they're just yeah. angry guys, and they're doing stuff, and this is- Angry an, guys doing stuff, that should be right. the name of their team. Yeah, though, they're angry guys doing stuff, and <laughs> this is going to be a match, they're going to have a match, it doesn't advance the story, they're just angry, they're doing things. Hailing from Columbia, Georgia- Angry guys doing stuff. Angry dudes doing stuff. Angry dudes doing stuff. Everything's a Rick Derringer tune. <laughs> it's like a little bit of Rick Derringer, a little bit of Bad Street USA. I was kind of yeah. merging them together there. So next we get Candice LeRae and Casey Catanzaro versus Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah in a match that had no business being as good as it was. I'm not saying this was like a wrestling revelation, but for three of the four participants of this match, this certainly was. Vanessa Bourne looked good, was doing cornering and like corner stomping that was convincing that I was like okay I'm into that I'm into that a little bit Aaliyah not bad Casey Catanzaro she is very teeny tiny but she's got a thing going on here and then Candice LeRae came in and sort of brought us home in this match which was something that did need to happen because there's still a little bit of a talent gulf in that ring well if you compare it to the Aaliyah and Vanessa Bourne versus Catanzaro and Lacey Lane match Vanessa Bourne had to be the ring general for that. Right. Vanessa right. Bourne should not be the ring general. I, I've start. But boy, she's got something. Vanessa Bourne. Let me tell Bourne you something. Vanessa Bourne has grown on me over these couple years she's been in NXT. Cause I mean, I, I just basically said she's, she's a hooker for her gimmick for a while, but there's there, but, and then she was, you know, a very what gimmick she would do very well. I was noticing vampire. She'd be very good yes. doing a vampire gimmick. I mean, and I thought she was very good even with Kona Reeves, but she she's really grown on me as a personality and now kind of as a den mother to Aaliyah, who, who's always kind of been, I, she's always kind of been a little bratty. She's always had the bratty gimmick down. You know, the Ariana, she has a bit of the Ariana Grande look to her, um, you know, new, new fun breaking ground was always just kind of a wrestler in search of an entrance, but she's started to put together some of the move sets and stuff like that. 
I think the addition of Candice LeRae in this match took the onus off of Vanessa Bourne to be the ring general, which really helped. Casey Catanzaro is adorable. She's a great I gymnast. I worry that she's too small. She is a bit too small, but she needs to work a little bit on her being a face in peril. Yes, absolutely. Uh, no, no, certainly. If that's going to, I mean, look, yes, she absolutely has to be a Rey Mysterio type of figure, and she needs to she watch is. a bunch yeah. of Rey matches from 1995, 1996, go and really internalize that WCW catalog. If I were WWE, I'd even have Rey go down and train her, really get that into her. Yeah, because she is a little bit, still a little bit too choreographed for my taste. It's, it's I agree like, with that. Okay, here comes the gymnast stuff. It's like uh, the climby yeah, the, the, thing the, when she gets in the ring isn't impressive. <laughs> it's goofy. The set piece in what the third Jurassic Park where Jeff Goldblum's daughter is a gymnast, so there happen to be parallel bars in the trees, and you're like, get the f out of here with that stuff. That's Casey Catanzaro a lot of times for me. Yeah, but I think she she's uber perky she's uber likable she has a great charisma about her and she is silly athletic she is just absolutely uh, to, to me she's one of the best athletes in the women's division they've had in terms of being able to do stuff now she needs to put together i like the idea of cat and Zaro and candace LeRae being the ones to take off the tag titles off the iconics as an introduction onto the main roster Oh, that's interesting. I'm into that. I like that. I think what we got here was a bit of clever, subtle foreshadowing, though, that we're going to have Io Shirai with two tag team partners at some point to deal with the menace of Shayna Baszler and Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir. And I think we got an idea of who those two people might be. In and I'm fine Candace with that. It's yeah, time, no, I'm into that. I'm into that. It's time to push Candice, because Candice is awesome. I Absolutely. Mean, no, I, I I was sitting there and watching that match and thinking the exact same thing. The fact that Candice LeRae has not been better utilized in her run here so far is criminal. It really is. She's very yeah. good. It's one of those things where they got to her, I think, about five years too late for her to really be the superstar she should have been, because she fit, clicks all those boxes. You know, she's blonde. She's, I mean, she used to be blonde. She's let the roots grow out a bit without lightening them. But, you know, she's blonde. She's perky. She's personable. She she clicks all of Vince's boxes. But she was out there for a long time on the indie scene. She should never have made her name on her own. She should have went no. to Vince on her hands and knees and begged him to be creative. No, I think they just weren't interested in her. I think they thought she was too young or whatever. And also yeah, she no, was doing, I know. She was also, that was also when they didn't want to sign intergender wrestlers. No, and they were also doing the Joey Ryan cutest tag team in the world thing, which might not yeah. have been Vince's cup of tea. Yeah. Um, oh, Look, the the uh, the match against the Young Bucks where she took the shoe with the thumbtacks and she started bleeding is still one of the more uncomfortable moments I've been to live. So I I get the I get the marketing, uh, you know, wanting to stay away from that stuff. But uh, man, I, I I think Candice LeRae has a big chance here to step up with all the people they've brought up to the main roster. Absolutely, absolutely. We got a vignette for the arrival of Kushida, who is still kind of wrestling a time splitter gimmick, which is a bit strange to me. I, oh, I, I think like they're to... gonna go with it. I think they're no. Gonna go I want with... him to do something else, though. I know, I know they want to go with it, but like, here's the thing. I love Kushida, um, and he's still very, very good in the ring, but he does not look like the guy in 2013 anymore. He that youthful spark thing that you really need in order to do that Back to the Future gimmick. 
He doesn't have that anymore. He looks like a man now. He looks like an adult now, and I want him to have a different gimmick to kind of fit with, you know, his appropriate progression in the aging spectrum. Well, my fear is the Atami gimmick is his, where he's the grizzled oh, Japanese me. veteran. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they just kind of make it a culture shock thing as opposed to him being really, really good. So, I mean, I get that, but I think they're going to go with what, what, what brought him to the dance. No, I, I understand it. I understand it. I just I think that he is, he is right at the tail end of being able to do that gimmick in a way that doesn't feel a bit strange or need at least a visual update. He could, Also, are they really going to do time-traveling angles? No, they just fired Artie, Artie uh, Reynolds. Or not Artie Reynolds. Artie, Artie Evans. Uh, Artie Evans, who did the greatest time-traveling gimmick of anybody yeah. in Chikara. Which is a shame if they're going to do a time traveling gimmick here. Uh, oh, have you seen that uh, the video of him where where he, where he 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 gets fired from WWE? He calls himself the Quit Man, and then it's like I will wrestle Orange Cassidy for food. It's pretty uh, great. That's funny. Ser- search it out. Um, then we got this. Uh, this was taped. This episode was taped before we knew all the call ups were going to happen. So we oh, get this-, this hurts so bad, Jeff. This, we get this fun little race with the war. Who are, who are these guys? I, what, what, the war Vikings. The war uh, war rioters. The rioters. I I don't know, man. I I saw it on the marquee. It looked really cool. These I guys was chanting, came out. I was chanting Viking, Viking, yeah. Viking, yeah. Viking. I was looking yeah. for the Vikinging to happen, and for whatever reason, these dudes with this war raider stuff, and the crowd was all chanting for them, and they seemed really exciting. These guys looked, they looked cool, and they didn't look kind of stereotypically like Vikings or anything. They just kind of looked like hardened warrior dudes, and man, they should totally get called up to the main roster, because these guys are cool. And they uh, they face the Street Profits in a fun sprint. I thought this. You know, what's I love really fun? The, the the start of this match. The booking where, choice at the start of this match to begin with a hope spot yes, is yes. very novel. It was exciting, and it had me very jazzed up and ready to go for this match. And I didn't really slow down as a watcher. I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Until Hanton started working an arm hold on Montez Ford. So that was a good two and a half, three minutes that they had me completely into it, like into it, like let's wrestle um, versus. Uh, they're building up to the part that I'm supposed to care about. You know, but I liked the smartness of trying to take advantage of the situation. Absolutely. And just, Absolutely. And just having Montez Ford be an absolute that vertical, kamikaze. That vertical going, on the frog yes. splash. My goodness. Uh, yeah, but, but even the first dive, which was almost a halfway up the ramp yep. to do it. I mean, he is. he should be on the main roster today getting pushed, but... We have flippy do guys. We can't do that. Oh my god! I, I'm. I, but uh, I think they're getting the belts in a, uh, one, once uh, the War Raiders drop them. And, and yeah, I, I think, I think so. Gonna... I I think it's their time. And and you know, just one more thing about this match format. I I really love opening up with a really convincing, really good series of near falls on the person that you mm-hmm. eventually want to win because what it does as you're exiting the match is leave this impression in the viewer's mind, wow, 
those guys are pretty good. The, 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 the champs are still the champs, and the champs won that match or whatever, but those guys are no joke. Those guys are serious contenders. And, and that's such a great feeling um, where both teams end up being the winner in, in, with increased estimations after it versus just mm-hmm. 50-50 booking. Yeah, no, they didn't. They didn't look stupid at all. Every both teams looked great and competent and made good decisions throughout. Um, it just happened that uh, just happened that at one point the the War Raiders got got one up on on the Street Profits. I was I I really liked uh, the uh, the the delay belly to back as well. I thought that was quite impressive. Yeah, on uh, on Montez Ford's. Part. I was watching I, his yeah. knees and I was like, "Are they gonna hold? Are they gonna hold?" Oh, they did. They did. He made it. He made it. What did you think of this vignette with uh, Adam Cole and uh, Matthew Riddle? Okay, so it is <laughs> silly to have Adam Cole always doing photos. She's like, how many promotional photos does this guy need? But what I do like is that we are slowly establishing that Matt Riddle is a guy who is very good at emotionally compartmentalizing and that the bro stuff is very much a veneer that he is able to affect. And when Cole, like, pushed him or whatever, you could kind of see the broness wash away for Riddle, and he was just like, all right, man, we'll see what happens. And then, like, we go to the photo shoot, and he's like, bro, bro, let's bro it up, bro, and he's, like, totally being a ham. I thought it was a way to end on a funny note while actually illustrating that Matthew Riddle is a serious individual with layers. I wouldn't mind Adam Cole having this many photo shoots if it was just personal paparazzi following him. I, I kind of agree on that. I died at at his at at Riddle's. Yeah, let's do this photo shoot, bro. It was like he was. It reminded me, and and then I later saw this as a meme, so I can't take credit for this as a joke, but of the uh, Austin Powers photo shoot scene you're a tiger now be a tiger do he just the weirdest lamest crap for the, the photo shoot but being totally into it I, I i dug that a bit no it's the two-toned thing so eventually if he wants to turn heel like with the velveteen dream stuff we can see him act all chill and then not be chill or, you know, we just see that the guy's got layers. I'm okay with that. And Adam Cole is a very interesting character now. And I think they've managed to spice him up a whole lot throughout this show. And then we got Roderick Strong versus Johnny Gargano. You know, when they built Roderick Strong into possibly the most likable babyface with the vignettes about the trailer park and stuff like that, I thought he might have a nice long run as a top baby face up until the point where Gargano started to get that hot and you knew they had to turn him at some point after that. That said, I want more heel Roddy. I want him as more of a personality in this undisputed era. I, I don't want them to break up yet, but I want everybody to kind of have a bigger personality than just Adam Cole's lackeys. Because I think... Well, we know we have that. Now, now with with Roddy, we have a very interesting character. You've always casted him as the bad lieutenant, right? Yes. No, but but you were wrong. He's the good 
Lieutenant. He is the guy who made the decision to join the Undisputed Era. He did decide if you can't beat them, join them. But he could have won the tag team titles with Pete Dunne. He could have been a tag team champion in his own right, but he made the choice to become part of this bigger thing, this Undisputed Era thing, and be part of a team. He sacrificed for this unit. He was rewarded, sure, he became the tag team champions. But he has been going along, following minding his P's and Q's, a happy good soldier. He is the actual convert and Adam Cole is the leader who's not the true believer. And Adam Cole is the leader who doesn't really believe in the team. It's really all about Adam. And so I think the interesting wrinkle here is that we're seeing the crack in Roddy and what we're seeing is Adam Cole or oh, let me try that again. That Adam Cole's an inept leader. Yes, we're seeing Adam Cole's inept, paranoid leadership starting to affect what is otherwise a completely functional group. Yeah, I, I kind of uh, I got the impression, though, that at least they had made up for now, and they're not going to do the whole... Not yet, but Roddy, Roddy is now hanging on to this. Because, again, Roddy's trying to be the good lieutenant here, and he's going to be the good lieutenant. But I think the next time Adam Cole screws up is going to be the last time. I don't think this is going to be three strikes and you're out. But I think it's going to be a minute before that second time. I'd really like them to run the hell away from this. And, and and make those strikes count, kind of like they did with uh, Ciampa. And I don't Gargano. want it to happen right away. No, the strikes need right. to count. There needs to be, next week, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish peacemaking. And then we even need to have a everything's all good, the family's back together in the Undisputed Era, Undisputed Era stands tall, UE's all over the place at the end of some episode of NXT. It seems like all is right with the world again. Then you break them up. I love that Roddy has the stupid little boots. Again, I loved all his backbreakers. I loved him being kind of a vicious sadist about the backbreakers. Um, this match was great. I loved it. No, this is a very, very good match. Uh, and this is just a very good show. I, I enjoyed all of this quite a lot. Yeah. And then I enjoyed the finish, too, where Matt Riddle came out. I liked having that thread and that seed planted earlier in the episode that Riddle was going to do something and then he did something and it was smart and it was well executed and allowed for a coherent sequence of chaos and sort of like this thing hit that thing. A little bit of a human Rube Goldberg machine ensued. I I liked, you know what I really liked? I really liked his kind of way of celebrating afterwards where he just kind of has this smirk like, yeah, bro. You went at me. I'm still cool and uh, chill, but I'm really amused by all you guys being flustered by th- how easy it is for me to kick your butt. And, I, and I there really was something like that. that Riddle did with his body language that sold to yeah. me. Hey, Johnny, we are cool, but you also have that title, and I would like that at some point. Yeah, yeah, and, and that goes back to your compartmentalizing uh, uh, point. Yeah, and and I I think I think bipolar Riddle. Is 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 a nice is a nice road to go down if if they decide to do that. Ah, he contains multitudes, Jeff, and so did this show. This was a fairly long one. Shall we bring it to a close? We shall. Uh, we should probably finally pay off our Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash shake the rose by doing an episode this weekend. It's not my fault the special counsel dropped a 450-page report, Jeff. I'm trying my best, but we will definitely tape one this weekend. Okay, good. Uh, 
You can follow me at CrabGame13. You can follow him at Chris Novembrino. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. Again, like to thank our sponsor for this week, even though we did not do a read tonight. Uh, Blue Chew, you can go there. Enter STR, get your first shipment for free. Chris, tell the people where they can find you. Don't worry.tv is the homepage for Don't Worry About the Government, the world's greatest podcast, which you can subscribe to on iTunes and Stitcher. Do it today. See you next week or Saturday for those of you who are uh, Patreon subscribers. Yeah, sign up to the Patreon. That is patreon.com slash shake them ropes. <laughs>